But let's get into this series. If you remember, the series title is I'm Going Through It. And Psalm 23 is just this amazing psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And then in verse four, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. And it's that thought, I'm not stuck in this. I'm not stuck in lockdown. I'm not stuck in restrictions. I am going through it. We are going through it. Somebody said about this psalm that there's no psalm in which the absence of all doubt, fear and anxiety is so remarkable. Most of the other psalms, there is striving about an issue, about people, about circumstance, and always ends up in breakthrough in praise. But it's like David has just settled into this place. The Lord is my shepherd. He looks after me. He provides for me. He cares for me. He leads me through things. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He's just chilled out, resting in the reality of the good shepherd caring for his life. And so we need to catch this because we are not going through it in the negative sense. We are going through it. We are going to see breakthrough and God's doing thing in our lives, even in the midst of our world being turned upside down and inside out. I mean, subtitled this morning's message, What's Your Hurry? Before we went into this lockdown, I think all of our lives were frantic. And one of the things that God is doing is causing us to make room. It's actually the theme for our year. And just turned our lives upside down, whether we like it or not. And it's an opportunity to reevaluate, to look at what's important, to decide what's not, to decide what are we going to leave behind in that old season. When we go back to whatever the new normal is, it shouldn't be the same as it was before. We should have learned some things, taken some better things out of our experience and bring this into our new normal. And David says under this overall banner, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And what I catch from that is God is invested in your rest, in your refreshment, in you being renewed. He doesn't want us stressed and strained. And we've all done it. I've done it. Even in this period, there's been moments of extraordinary stress and pressure as we've rearranged our lives. But in this situation, he's saying he makes me lie down. God is invested in you being renewed, in you being strengthened, in you being refreshed, in you being at rest. In Psalm 127 and verse 2, it says, It's senseless for you to go to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing, what are you fearing about your life that gets you into the stress state? For God wants His loved ones to get their proper rest. God wants His loved ones to get their proper rest. I love something that Pastor Rick Warren said. If you burn in the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. It made me laugh, but it also is convicting. If you're rushing about and burning the candle at both ends, you are not as bright as you think you are. And so God has a way of teaching us how to relax. 
And I'm going to use the word relax just to highlight a few key thoughts that come back to this thing out of the 23rd Psalm. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, we're talking about this concept that is throughout Scripture, the Sabbath rest. And the word Sabbath literally means to cease from busyness. One of the things that I've taught myself to do over a number of years, when people ask me how I am, I do not answer, oh, I'm so busy, even if I feel like I am. Because in our society, we've used that, oh, I'm so busy, almost as a status symbol, as a means to significance. And we shouldn't do that. Yeah, life's full, life's complicated, but God's got a pace for you. They will bring you to a place of relaxing, of de-stressing, of being able to hand and adjust to the pressure. The scripture says that on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. This is speaking about God out of Exodus 31, 17. And it's really interesting, that word, he rested and was refreshed. God is eternal. He's omnipotent. He doesn't need rest, but he's setting something up for you and I. And when I did a little bit of a study on that word and he was refreshed, it literally means he stopped and took a long, deep breath. And I love that. That's some of this concept where God says, you got to breathe. you got to breathe. God doesn't need oxygen to sustain himself. He's this eternal supernatural being. But he says to you, I want to demonstrate, just breathe. Catch your breath. On the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. He stopped and took a deep breath. And working on that word relax, I want to talk about just five simple things. Number one, realize your worth, enjoy what you have, limit your labor, adjust your values, and exchange your pressure for God's peace. So let's jump into these key thoughts and you might want to jot them down because these are all powerful things to help you get through it victoriously, strengthened, better off than when you went into this dark valley. The, real, the reason that most of us overwork is that we confuse our work with our worth. I think we've all done it. I've done it at times where somehow Work is what makes me valuable. And yet what we do is valuable and it makes a contribution. And when we meet somebody, after we get their name, which we usually forget unless you're disciplined in using their name and repeating it and getting it in your memory, the next question we ask is, and what do you do? And so we're reinforcing in our society that, that our value is tied to what we do. And like I said, what we do is valuable, but it doesn't decide our value. Our value is decided by God. And in James chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, He chose to give birth to us by giving his, us His true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. We out of all his creation became his prized possession. You and I are the crown of God's creation. He treasures and he loves everything he's created. This is not an either or, but the crown of his creation 
is when he created people. He loves people. He loves you. He places value on you because simply you exist. It's got nothing to do with what you do. Jesus said this again, going to the heart of busyness, and you can read it in Matthew chapter 6 and around verse 26. But he says this, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Then he asks this probing question that I hope penetrates your thinking and touches your heart and soul. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Yeah, creation's valuable, but it says you are more valuable. And it's got nothing to do with your activity. It's that he created you to be in relationship with him. And there's nothing that you can do that will ever make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do that will ever make God love you less. His love towards you is not based on your performance. It's based on who he is and that he has extended to you and I his unconditional love. So number one, realize your worth. Number two, learn to enjoy what you have. Sometimes we're so preoccupied, we're so busy, we're so rushing here and there that we actually don't stop to enjoy what we have. I, I, Linda and I work, walk a lot and we've done even more so in this uh, lockdown period. And it's one of being the great things and we've had this amazing uh, autumn winter or autumn weather in uh, Canberra, most of the time we had one or two days, but just sunny and walking around the lakes and sunny with a fresh appreciation. What a beautiful city. How great is it to see the autumn leaves change and all of those things and just finding in the little things some joy, putting some of your life on pause and actually looking around and enjoying what you have. And yes, it's creation, but it's relationships, it's friendships, it's family. I've just taken a bit of time to enjoy what you have. Paul speaking to Pastor Timothy, giving him advice to pass on to his congregation, says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this world not to be arrogant, nor put, to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And catch this, who richly provides us with, with everything for our enjoyment, so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. But I want you to catch this. God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I don't know where this idea came, that somehow God was stingy and mean and wanted to shut down celebrations and all of that kind of thing and make life miserable. The scripture contradicts that. Our God gives us all things richly to be enjoyed. The trouble is we gloss over those riches in our running here and our rushing there. And we need to just take some time to enjoy what we have. The third thing is to limit our labor. So we start off by realizing our worth of enjoying what we have and then limiting our labor. And this is such a difficult thing 
for us to do in our modern day society because we're told we've got computers and smartphones and all these things and they're going to simplify your life and they give you more time. No, they've intruded more and more into our life. And I'm thankful for all these technologies. I'm a bit of a techo junkie. But I also know that I've got to learn how to shut them off, turn them off, minimize the impact they have on my life. And God created the Sabbath and made it holy. The scripture says the Sabbath is holy. And God didn't create a day to be holy and then find people to support that. Jesus said the Sabbath is holy because it was made for people. It was made for you and I. It was made by God that at least once every seven days you stop. You stop the rushing. You'd stop the, the scurrying and the hurrying and the stress. You actually take a breath. He rested and was refreshed, took a deep breath. The Sabbath, Jesus says, was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In the right, the right of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 to 10 says this. So we conclude that there is still a full and a complete rest waiting for believers. Waiting for believers, those who put their trust in Jesus, for them to experience. And as we enter into God's faith rest life, catch that phrase, faith rest life, God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrated his finished works and rests in them. You see, God has a place of faith and trust for you. And when you enter into that, you enter into faith, rest, life, a faith, rest, life. And the rest that God gives us is not that we stop working, we stop our activity, but we do it in a different way by leaning in and putting our trust in him. Let him direct us and encourage us and bring peace into a situation and bring rest. You see, this faith rest life is first and foremost about the condition of your heart rather than the content of your calendar. It's about the condition of your heart rather than the content of your calendar. I love something that St. Augustine of Hippo said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And you might be on a journey and you, your life is not centered around the person of Jesus Christ. You're seeking, you're trying to find answers. I want to tell you, you can find a real rest for your heart, for your soul, for your life, when you center your life in the person of Jesus Christ. And in a few moments, I'm going to give you that opportunity for you to personally connect, not with religion, but in a relationship with the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth thing is to adjust your values. And if we don't do this in this period where our world has been turned upside down, we're missing one of the biggest opportunities God has ever given this generation. Ecclesiastes says this, 
then I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. There's something within us, this compulsion to have things and think that things will solve the problems in our heart, the problems in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with things. We read earlier, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. The problem is when they become our master rather than our servant. They control us rather than us controlling them. And if we're going to get through it, we need to reevaluate what's really important. How can we adjust our lives so that when we go back to the new normal, we're not frantically rushing around and just redoing life exactly as we did before. It's convicting. It's challenging. It's going to take some thought and it's going to take some discipline. God's given us an opportunity to put space back into our lives. Don't miss that opportunity and fill it up with things. Make room for God in your life. Jesus asked this question, and it's so challenging. What good would it do if you get everything that you want and lose the real you? Or as another translation says, what will you give in exchange for your soul? And yes, it's an eternal question about eternal salvation and a relationship with the living God. But it's also about us not losing our soul, not losing the real you while we walk on planet Earth. My final thing is that we exchange your pressure for God's peace, my pressure for God's peace. And there are three kinds of fatigue. We know this. There's physical fatigue and tired muscles and a good sleep and maybe a good massage can replenish you. There's emotional fatigue. That takes a little bit more to get over. But there's things if you slow down and enjoy what's going on around you and who's doing life with you, that emotional replenishment can take place. But I think one of the most challenging is spiritual fatigue, a dry spirit, a disconnect with God. That goes deepest. And we need to be refreshed in all three of those areas. God is invested in your rest, your refreshment, and you being renewed. The Lord is my shepherd, and He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. I wonder if you caught that. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. The word makes implies that this is not a voluntary thing, that we kind of are kicking and screaming against it. I, I can remember when our kids were younger, our son would come and around 7, 7.15 and with drowsy eyes and says, is it all right if I go to bed now? Yes, Marky, you go to bed now. Deborah, at about 12 o'clock at night, we'd be going, if you don't go to bed, you literally had to make the girl go to bed. I'm guilty of that, not just pointing the finger. But making somebody do something that's good for them is actually a sign of immaturity on the part of the person that needs to be made to do it. 
And like I said, in this whole COVID-19 situation, I think God is making us reevaluate our values, making us lie down and find a new place of rest, a new place of refreshing and a new place of renewal in Him. Because you're going to need that if you are going to go through it rather than just go through it. No, we want to go through it. Jesus extends this extraordinary invitation for us to do life differently. And I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28, 29. I love these words, but are challenged over and again to live them. Jesus extends this invitation to you. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, he says. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to speak that over your life. Jesus invites you to walk and work with him, to come to him so that in your life, you'll find real rest and learn to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace. For that to happen, you've really got to let the Lord be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David has been very personal about his relationship with God. And if you're living your life without God, you ought to be worried. You ought to be distressed. I don't mean that to be negative. I'm just speaking a reality. You were created to be in a relationship with God. And if Jesus is not your Lord, then he can't be your shepherd. And accepting Jesus is really simple. And Jesus speaks to this in John's gospel. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. First thing, they know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And the third thing, they follow me. They know me. I know them. They follow me. And I want to ask you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and as your shepherd? He knows you and is inviting you to come into relationship with him. And it's not about theology, as important as theology is. It's about the relationship. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, they follow me. You need to know Jesus, listen to Jesus, and follow him. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer now that maybe you've never, ever done before, but you want to connect your life to the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make him your Lord so he can be your shepherd. Perhaps you're renewing a commitment. That's so important. Just coming back to God as you reevaluate your priorities and how you've been doing life. You go, I've got to get back in my relationship with God. Or maybe you're just reaffirming a commitment you've made privately. Why don't you pray this prayer? And it's based on the fact that if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. You will experience salvation. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
you will experience salvation.